is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, host Brandon, we have Matt Law update. Uh, that is right, Matt. A big kind of week off the pitch after the loss to Southampton. Chelsea fans are riding. Uh, and a little bit understandable, so I think it's probably been an interesting uh, few days as we're Wednesday after recording. Yeah, it has. It has. It's been. It just feels like a whirlwind with Chelsea at the moment. I mean, Graham Potter's in the eye of the storm, and and the storm just keeps sort of swirling around at the moment. They can't. They can't get it to move on, and uh, that always makes me busy. Without a doubt. And uh, obviously, you had the the big article you know, I think a little bit is you had the exclusive, um, kind of the, the top five, uh, Graham Potter told to don your tin hat and fight, uh, as he That's is, right. is getting uh, a lot of heat. Obviously he addressed it in the press conference. You know, he did get that kind of like unfair question of like fans think you should be sacked. And it's like, well, I mean, we don't want social media to invade <laughs> these pressers. So, but he's yeah. getting it from all angles. But it sounds like there's a very different conversation happening, maybe at Cobham and behind the scenes, and obviously the discourse in public. Yeah, look, I mean, I didn't actually, um, I've watched the Southampton game. I didn't actually go to it. Um, but I believe that some of those questions were influenced by things that were actually being directly shouted at the press box by fans at the game not just social media. Um, I often stick up for the match-going fans against sort of what one might claim social media fans. But actually, this was based on people shouting things at the press box and saying he should be sacked and things like that. And I think people were shouting he's the worst manager in our history and things. And I, I, I think if things like that are being thrown at the press box, it, it's kind of fair enough for the press to then reflect them back at Graham, even though I, I agree it's always uncomfortable and, and feels harsh. I don't like stuff that's just swirling around on, on Twitter or social media necessarily being thrown at him because you never really know who's saying it and, and who it can be attributed to. So that's that. Um, yeah, look, um, with every defeat or every non-win comes another question mark over Graham's future. And every response continues to be, we're supporting him, we're backing him. Um, and that was unequivocal. I mean, I checked on Saturday night uh, first of all, and was told absolutely unequivocally nothing has changed in terms of the support and the backing. I then sort of rechecked that on Sunday and went back to get more detail, if I could, on, on exactly why, which is what spurned the piece I wrote on the five reasons why. And yeah, and it was still nothing had changed. I wondered whether there could have been conversations in, in between time what, but no, they're, they're very, very determined uh, to support and back him. And they're very determined that they feel there are good reasons to back him and also good mitigating reasons as to why things haven't been as good, albeit I think there's a, a complete agreement on all levels that the Southampton defeat was unacceptable. Um, but uh, a decision that, that there has been mitigating factors and there's enough that they've seen within data mainly to suggest that better times are around the corner yeah you kind of talked about that is is and you had some nice data in the piece again you know head over to the telegraph uh to check out matt's article it's linkedin we're not gonna obviously spoil it um but they did have kind of the data here as far as you know shot creation and chances yeah. and i did hear i don't know if it was you know one of the the bbc podcasts or something like that but they're talking about is it potter's fault 
I guess like if the chances aren't being finished, I mean, you think about the Raheem Sterling header point blank, you're like, what are the odds that that doesn't go in? And of course, we're hitting that bingo card every single time right now because nothing's, you know, we just can't get that break. But like, this is kind of him at Brighton, really good at XG, just not like the actual goals compared to is kind of a, a thing that stuck with him. It is. I, I think I listened to the same podcast actually as you, and I actually thought it was a really good discussion. Um, but I, I, I don't see how a coach can coach a team to be good at XG and not score. I don't see that that can be something the coach is doing because if you create lots of big chances in a game if you create if your xg is good then you should score goals i don't see how a coach can do one thing and create the, and get a setup and a team and an approach that creates these chances and yet he can be responsible for them not going in i just can't wrap my head around how that would be the case albeit you are right the problems that chelsea are having now and the data that chelsea have now is very similar to the data at Brighton. Now, Brighton clearly had, certainly when Graham was there and for the majority of Graham's time, they didn't really have any strikers of note at all. I mean, I think Neil Morpé had a, a good season. And when they did score, their goals would quite often have come from the flanks and, and midfield through Trossard and, and more latterly McAllister. Um, so he has better strikers at Chelsea, albeit the striker thing is still an issue at Chelsea. And... I don't see what he can do to change the fact that Raheem Sterling or whoever else didn't, you know, Raheem Sterling versus Southampton, the header doesn't go in. Jao Felix against Borussia Dortmund, those two chances, neither in the squad. I don't actually see what Graham Potter can do about that. He can practice finishing as much as he likes on the train field. I'm sure that is happening. But as long as they are creating the big chances, you tend to find that it does turn. I mean, I, I, I... through covering Tottenham as well, I, I used to talk with Pochettino a lot about this. And when results were bad, he would often say that he 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 was in a safer position than Graham. But he would often say he didn't actually care about the result. What he cared about was the evidence to show that things were being done correctly and what he was doing on the training ground work. Because he would always believe in the fact that as long as everything showed that, that the results eventually would take care of themselves. And, and pretty much that that was the case for him. And he would always argue that the result itself for him was not the biggest problem. But Graham's in a different situation. The result is the biggest problem for him. But yeah, the, the data, I mean, the, the data that was run with the piece, there's more big chances being created. The XG is is certainly higher than the goals being scored. The XG has generally gone up in the last month. I mean, obviously, it fluctuates a little bit between games. All the evidence, if you put it into numbers and crunch numbers, all the evidence is, is actually in the last month, performances in terms of attacking chances have improved and all the evidence would suggest that with a turn of luck or with one one bit of confidence it will turn and the we know that these owners love data they absolutely crunch data so I would imagine they've got way more detailed data than we use that all points towards the same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, there are those trends. The eye test says you take a step forward, then a step back, and it's just kind of this roller coaster. Um, But it's not just that. I mean, there's still squad, you know, rotation and issues as well. I mean, you talked about how the medical staff was like, we got to take our best players out because I think my perspective as a fan for Potter is like, you need to put the best 11 you have out every single week until you can get like a run of games. 
you know, so people look at it like, why didn't Reese James play? Like, why didn't maybe a, even a Kai Havertz or Mudrick play? Because they are considered starters, at least at this point. And now we hear, you know, thanks to the article that, well, actually, the medical department is is saying, no, don't. And so he's trying to lean into all of his different, you know, people, I guess, around the club. And that comes to him probably building trust and rapport with the different departments so they can all be aligned in, in moving towards a long-term finish, whereas Maurizio Sarri will play in Golokante no matter what he's told. Yeah, and, and you know, Jose was a big believer in, in playing people sort of no matter what and painkilling injections and things. Every, every, well, most managers, I was going to say every manager has their own way. In actual fact, 90% of managers was always trying to push the player to play rather than go with the medical staff. And particularly in such a, a large number of players would probably take a risk on someone, not on others, who they feel might might be able to come through it. I mean, the reason I got hold of that information was literally because I, I went to people saying, what was his team selection all about? Like, I'm, I've defended this guy. I'm a believer in this guy, but I cannot defend that team selection. Then it was explained to me. Really interestingly, actually, today, I think on the Chelsea website, they've actually put out their own line that the medical staff um, asked him not to play those players and that they're now all fully available for the weekend, which I thought was really interesting that the website are actually also, you know, officially confirming that information, which would normally be quite private information, and that, that they obviously want that to be out there and shared. And it's clear that this is a collaboration. You know, if the coach is going to be held responsible, then then maybe there has to be some responsibility put onto the medical department as well, not in a bad way, but just in the way that they've, they've advised him this and he's followed it. And there's no reason why that should have to be a secret. He yeah. didn't throw them under the bus. I know full well that the that the ownership are actually, they're devastated about the result, but they're actually really pleased with the, the decision Potter took rather than doing something to try and save his own skin. He, he did something for the players and for the club. And also what I would stress I wrote an article yesterday that N'Golo Kante is now very, very close to signing a new contract. You brought Sari into that. I would actually imagine that a, an approach like this would have an impact on Kante's decision because Kante was scarred for months and years by what happened to him with Sari. He became very, very reluctant to trust managers and to trust people telling him to just play when he had a bit of a knock or what of an injury, he became very uncomfortable. I know that for an absolute fact. I've spoken to former former managers about that very point, about Kante losing faith in the club, losing trust in the people who were responsible for his fitness. So if you're going to keep a player like that with those issues, I'd imagine that, that what Potter did at the weekend will actually, and this is not some PR exercise for Potter, but what he did at the weekend will certainly be factored into N'Golo Kante's decision going forwards all right well uh, i mean that's obviously a positive not only to see him on the pitch with the team but also progress in the contracts that that's really interesting i think you did say it right he made a decision with it which is best for the players in the club maybe and at his detriment and you kind of talk about in the article it sounds like the owners feel like he's taking a long-term approach he wants to do right by the club you know with the investment the owners have made they've kind of said to him like hey this isn't a a short project for us we need you to really get everything settled so i guess from what i gleaned out of your articles that the owners they're good they 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 hear the the noise but they're not getting uncomfortable with the situation and i think there's a realization that they have to take a bit of responsibility for this as well i mean they, they want a coach who's willing to work towards 
the broader plan and the broader future and the well-being of the club rather than selfish what they would seem selfish means and I still disagree with the Aubameyang thing but the Aubameyang fits into that a selfish coach would put Aubameyang in right now because he would probably score a goal I still think Aubameyang should be playing clearly by looking at David Datro Fofana he's also got an eye on what they feel probably is someone for the longer term what they feel for someone who maybe deserves to be looked at and, and not judged on sort of what's gone on previously. I don't agree with it. I actually think it's 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 in keeping with what the owners have preached and what they want. So what is happening at the moment, I think there is a, a realisation in the ownership that they have to take a bit of responsibility. Graham Potter's responsible for results, but the way in which Graham Potter is managing is in line with what they want. And that's why they're backing him, because they're pleased with the way he's managing. They're just not pleased with the results. Yeah. Hmm. Um obviously they are bolstered by that because when they stuck with that that manager at the Dodgers it paid off in the long run right and yeah, so they've, they've been here before I mean I've spoken to people about that they've been here before with with the Dodgers manager he's been through some some really tough times and they've always stuck by him I think he's been there 10 or 11 years now he's clearly had good times and bad times and they've been through ups and downs certainly the Bowley side have Obviously, the Clear Lake side are, are newer into sport, I think, than the Bowley side. But mm-hmm. the Bowley side has been through ups and downs in sport, has been through disappointing runs, through fan disenchantment before, albeit in a different sport and maybe at a slightly different level. Um, and they, they feel that their evidence from them, their own experiences, is that by putting your faith in the guy and trusting the guy is that... Uh, is that that's how you get the long-term results rather than the short-term bounce. Yeah, really, really fascinating in, in which I can see. Uh, we'll take a quick ad break when we get back. I have another follow-up on uh, the, the feelings around the camp. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. Are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you're bored of the U.S. Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus servers, no show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan with one month free. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened check it out my link nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue to get your subscription started today so what about the players do you have an idea obviously you mentioned angola Conte felt like the pot, uh, potter had his back as manager you know i guess there's the Mason stuff, which maybe is a thing or isn't a thing. But I guess in general, do you know how the players are taking on to, to Graham Potter and his staff? Yeah, look, they've got a squad of, we've talked about it before, to 34 players. And there's going to be players annoyed or disappointed with their situations. And I think we can guess a few of them quite easily. 
but broad brushstrokes, I am told that actually the players really like Graham. He, I mean, if you meet Graham Potter, it's very hard, whatever you make of him as a manager, whatever you think of him, it's very hard not to like him because he is, it's very clear immediately, he's a decent human being. He's a man with uh, very decent traits and morals. And I can't imagine, it'd be very weird to have a scenario where someone would, would take a, a massive dislike to him because he's just not, not that kind of personality. He's not a combative personality, which obviously he's been criticised for. So it's very, look, it, it, in the past, I am absolutely sure that, and this has happened, in a run of results, not even as bad as this, but anywhere near this, I would have had several stories out already about problems at the training ground, fights at the training ground. Under Tuchel, I had a fight between uh, Kepper and Rüdiger after I think they'd lost their first game and I don't know how long against West Brom at home or wherever it was. Um, under Conte, I had the big story about Diego Costa when they were going to win the league game mental at the training ground and threatening to China. The amount of fights and blow-up stories I've had at Chelsea's training ground is, I can't count them. And I, I've, and by the way, I know of way more than I've ever written. You know, th these have been going on since the dawn of time. And I'm sure there'll have been crosswords at that training ground, but the fact that they've gone through what they've gone through and there's not been a peep or a whisper of a fight story, of a row story at the training ground, of this player, that player, or en masse them turning against Graham, he's lost the dress. There's not been any of that. And that's not because they've suddenly become super brilliant at keeping all their information in-house, because if you look at the transfer window, lots of information still gets out of Chelsea. I, I genuinely believe it's because it hasn't happened. And that would suggest that, that broadly, um, the atmosphere is still quite good and quite positive, albeit I'm sure everyone's disappointed, and that the players actually do like Graham Potter. But that has got to translate into results, and it's got to translate into results very, very quickly. Yeah, and that's the balance, I think, with a lot of fans. Did I read or hear that he kind of abandoned his really deep philosophy of Brighton and is just trying to be a little bit more pragmatic right now? Uh, I don't, look, I haven't heard that myself. I don't okay. know. I mean, you're... you're this is a time where lots of theories will, will be going around. What I would say is um, I listened to, to one of your, your pods with Nick talking about the identity and the fact there's no identity yet. And I think it's a fair comment, but all I would come back and say to that is how is he meant to have an identity in that team yet with the amount of turnover of players through injury and signings? It's very clear, I think, that he would not have structured the squad the way it was in the summer. They then had all the injuries. They've then brought all the players in in January, drip, drip of them being available and big players starting to come back. I wouldn't, I've got to be honest, I wouldn't expect to see an identity yet. What I think he has failed in so far is to create something, to create something pragmatic, to do exactly what you just said that, that maybe people are saying he's looking to do, to actually to create something that just gets him through. And, and work on, and you worry about an identity later down the line because with the amount of turnover, the identity is not just going to come. To my mind, now he's got the players back, pretty much all of them, obviously Kante to come. Um, he needs to find a team, he needs to find a formation and a team to stick with and to get him through. Mm -hmm. And then he can worry about the rest and work on the rest in the background and longer term. 
the, the, the owners say that ideally the plan would be for him to certainly finish this season and even finish next season before that. The original plan was to review him at the end of next season once he's had a whole full season with what would, they would deem his squad. I'm sure there'll be some sort of review at the end of the season anyway. But in actual fact, despite they say all that, and I believe them on all that, I still think the next three games are massive for Potter. Yeah, I, I, they, they look a massive three games for me. Whether he would, whether the opinion of the board would change that quickly or whether it would just mean that a change in the summer became inevitable or what. But uh, the board, let me, let me tell you, the board are not saying next three games. The board are saying long-term, long-term. And like I say, their, their preferable plan is to the end of the season and the season after. But for me, I look at it and just think these next three games are huge for him. Right. I mean, obviously Tottenham away. Well, it's to the point where in your article, the the tin pot one, you said that, hey, you know what? Bedad, Todd, we're going to stop down for a little bit. We're going to watch these next three games. So I think you can imply that there's a focus from them. Tottenham away, right? Yeah. It's just a rivalry. So talk about a moral victory, you know, an uplift. Uh, I think losing to Tottenham, even though they just crept in the top four, the the fans obviously it would just it would be hard for them us to take. But then you've got Leeds at home, and then obviously Dortmund at home in in a couple of days. We're doing our part. We're going to try to bring twenty four Americans over to to add a little <laughs> extra spice and fight. See if we can do our part to help you know turn it around. But in all seriousness, you know Leeds just hired a manager, Javi Garcia. They are you know going to get that new manager bounce classic you know the week after we get there uh and then even the Dortmund match which looked good the problem was Southampton didn't but if you're saying our best 11 is Dortmund then there is hope again how many times can we see this 11 in the next couple weeks they got a week off in between I mean Potter gave the guys two days off in preparation for Spurs which um kind of went back to his man management everyone said bring them in run them like not good enough, and and I think he's a little bit more. Well, he's a bit more modern. That's that's very old fashioned view. Bring him in, run him, all that business. I mean, that's just not going to happen. And that they're three massive games. There's no point bringing them in, running them, and then getting a load of injuries, and still having two massive games. Look, I, I, I would if he can, if he can obviously get through in the Champions League and either win both the others or win and draw. I mean, obviously. Draw home to Leeds wouldn't be great, but draw away to Spurs, I think would get him through to the Leeds games without too much dissatisfaction. If they can then win the next two, obviously it, it depends on the circumstances of how that result comes about. But I look at it, I look at what he's got. I mean, look, I watch a lot of Tottenham. I was I was at Tottenham at the weekend, which is why I wasn't at Chelsea. Um, and I watch a lot of Tottenham. And I would love to see him match them up. I would love to see him go Wesley Fofana. Thiago Silva, Badia Chile, obviously Reese, Chile, both the wing backs. Fernandez, you would hope Kovacic is a bit fitter and a bit more on it, having got that, that Southampton game under it, probably Kovacic. And then I would want Raheem in the forward three. And then the other two is kind of up to what he he sees on the training ground. I would like them to match Tottenham just because I feel it works well against them when I see opposition teams do it against them. He, he might not want to do that, but I, I really feel that when you look at the team he can put up, they can hurt Tottenham and they should be able to hurt Tottenham. Um, so I would be very disappointed if they're not very competitive in that game because I've watched, I've obviously watched more Chelsea than Tottenham, but I've watched a lot of Tottenham. And when I look at 
the options he has available to him this weekend, I do think they can hurt Tottenham. Yeah, because I know their defensive has been a little loose. Um, you know, 4-1 loss against Leicester. Uh, did beat City with the red card, but that seems to be their thing. They always beat City for some reason. Yeah, I mean, if you if you were to put pitch the wing-backs against each other, you know, Reese up against Ben Davis, Chilwell up against Emerson Royale, Dyer's had a poor season. If you can get pace at Dyer, look, they've pace at Longley, who's been playing on the left side of defence. They've got they've got weapons. Benton is a massive massive miss for, for Spurs in the middle. Chelsea have got the weapons to to really hurt them this game. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that we'll see. I guess just really how all of that shakes out. I'm, you know, I you know, I all of us Chelsea fans are just walking on eggshells right now, kind of of result to result, <laughs> trying to see how it goes. Um, any, I guess it's a big picture, right? Cause we were talking with some of the friends and things like that. And not only is there a lot going on, I guess, with the staff, do you feel like with the new recruiting team, and this is just more of a, I don't understand it completely, you know, Vivelle, Win Stanley, all of the team, do they help with player exits as well? You know, cause you talk oh, about yes. this bloated squad. Yes, yes, Are they yes. going to be yes. saying They'll be like, working hard on that now. Okay. That, that's, you know, in, in terms of what what they're doing around transfer, look, I think I think probably uh, we can probably estimate, and this is my estimate, that the squad from January is probably about 75% complete in terms of incoming. There will be a lot more outgoing than incoming in the summer. I can tell you that for absolutely sure. And that's exactly what they'll be working on now. They'll be doing the rounds of, of clubs. They'll be trying to set things up it's it's a bit early to get things nailed down but for sure that process will have started there'll be a process going on about evaluating which players particularly those players who were in either the last year or last two years of their contracts uh which which they can sell which they can get value on how the squad's going to shape up i'm sure there's a lot of conversations between the sporting team and graham about what the squad size needs to be because We've got to assume at the moment that, that Graham will be manager at the end of the season. If that changes, it changes. And they need to know what his... He needs to, uh, next in the summer, have the number of players, that his optimum number of players. He needs to have that. And they've got to deliver that for him, uh, whether it be 23, 24, 25, whatever. But they, they can't go through a summer where even in pre-season he's trying to struggle all this because the, the pre-season will become farcical if it is. So... They, they will be working hard on uh, evaluations of which players, where the value can come and, and who realistically can be shifted and where for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, that was obviously a problem this season as you, as we witnessed, you know, firsthand with Tuchel and the squad and it being imbalanced and people who didn't want to be there. And it was just, it, it, it was almost a wasted exercise the summer tour because the preseason that- was a mess. Kennedy was, was playing right back yeah. consistently, you know, like people were getting yeah. minutes. It was, it was just, it was bad all around. And so, you know, they have to learn from that. Mitchie Bashwai was like pre preseason was a huge, huge mess. I'm not going to blame anyone. I don't want to blame anyone, but, but preseason was a huge, huge mess. It's objectively a fact. Like, so they need to learn and get ahead of it. So we'll see if, if these new people kind of get it. Um, you put something in my mind. Um, all right. I'm going to take my last ad break when we get back. Uh, round it up. Look ahead. Uh, Angola Conte. And then we'll be out. Here we go. All right. The, just to help us either continue to light Twitter on fire or to put some of the flames out, 
is one, allegedly Maurizio Pochettino had been reached out by intermediaries. Incorrect. Completely wrong. Just, 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 that's, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to, like, I don't like doing this to reporters, but it's not a reporter I particularly know. Um, it, it, I'm just told from all sides it's not true. You know, I have connections into Maurizio Pochettino from my Tottenham days as well, so I'm able to check this at both ends, let's say, and just not true. Just not true at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that is, that is, I would like to talk about this, though. I mean, for the people, I, I fully respect people's opinion if they are so disenchanted with themselves and so frustrated that they feel that they should be a change. People are entitled to that opinion. I don't want to rubbish that opinion. It's not my opinion, but I don't want to rubbish that opinion. What I would say is I haven't heard yet of a convincing plan for what you would do if you sack him. What do you do? Because if you sack him, his staff leaves. There's nobody there who's going to suddenly take over in the building who's going to be an interim manager. Don't quote John Terry at me as an interim manager. Not going to happen. Um, and then there's nobody on the market. There's no Gus Hiddink or someone like that around who's going to come in as an interim manager. There's no... I don't think there's a top-class manager out there who's going to take it at the moment in mid-season. I mean, that was a point when I, I did my five reasons. You know, they're, they're impressed that Potter was prepared to take this on mid-season. Lots of managers don't want to do that. You know, we already know they wouldn't be offering it Bielsa, but were they to offer it Bielsa, he'd want to manage the under-21s till the summer. Everton found that out. I haven't heard a convincing plan. I've heard lots of people say he should be sacked, and that's absolutely fine. That's their opinion. But I'm yet to hear one person or one voice or one message on Twitter say something that makes any sense for what they would do if they sacked him. The the only kind of face that I would miss in this situation, which is why I don't think they can, and I think why Roman got away with it a lot, is Steve Holland. Steve Holland was there through every managerial change, you know, until yeah. he left to join England. Without Steve Holland there, who has that Chelsea DNA, that connective tissue during, amongst transitions, like it's everyone out. If you sat Graham, everybody's gone and you're now promoting the dev squad coaching staff, essentially, or you bring in some of the lone coaches or whatever. Well, it'd like, probably be Anthony Barry, to be honest with you, thinking off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah. Um, but he's he's not he's not Steve Holland. He's not someone who has that experience of Steve Holland. And I'm telling you now, they wouldn't be able to get Steve Holland to do that. Funnily enough, they looked at doing that when they nearly... Do you remember when they were going to sack Sari? Um, the Cardiff away game when everybody was chanting against Sari. It's a terrible game. I think there was a last-minute Aspie equaliser or something like that in the game. And they were going to sack Sari. They really considered it. And, and what they looked into doing was trying to, to bring Steve Holland back to take interim charge till the end of the season. And they couldn't do it, so they had to abandon sacking Sari. So th there's not there's not a solution out there. Um, and the other thing about it is is it would make it would make them a mockery. You know they'd have sacked two two managers in one season. What good manager is going to want to work for them? Mm -hmm. What could? Why do you want to work for guys who who just sack the Champions League winning manager after five minutes? Say there's a long term project and they've got faith in this guy, which I trust. But if that ends up not being the case and they sack this guy, who's going to trust them? Nobody's going to trust them. And they'll get, and the media will call them clowns. But you know, the, the spotlight will go firmly onto them because the media will start to call them clowns, which I don't think they are. And like I say, I think what they are doing is sensible and, in some ways, admirable. 
albeit with the caveat that results have got to come really quick. <laughs> right. And I think that's probably like the, the, the thesis of this is, is neither you or I are advocating for strategy. I think I'm just trying to help like explain maybe like where the thinking is from the hierarchy, because this is a new ownership group, right? Like Roman, we know what's happening. Gone. Like, okay, we get that, but it's not, this is a brand new team. They have a new ownership style. They have an approach you know, we've seen the comms this season, right? The social media is way more. Everything's um, changed. Yeah, personable. So I guess from, you know, your perspective as well, that's what I think I'm trying to outlay with a lot of this because it'd be easy for us to say, yeah, sack Potter, move on. But I think there are some nuances and context that you're able to provide, which I think is good, you know, and, and, and a lot of that article, again, go back and check it out, talks about that, that also, you know, Graham Potter, which I don't think any fan really cares, took a risk by coming here midseason, you know, not having a preseason, inheriting a, a fragmented squad, potentially, and things like that. Um, you know, so the owners feel like he's owed some time as well. Yeah, and, and what I also think, I wrote about it, but I do think it has been missed on a, on a wider level. It's one of the co-sporting directors they brought in is from Brighton, is a guy who works with them really closely at Brighton. That's a massive signal of, of where their heads are and, and where the support's going to be for him. You know, you might, people will laugh, and I understand why, at any comparison between Cheeky and Pep Guardiola, because they're on this level, you know, they are at the very, very top level. And, and Graham Potter and Paul Winstanley would not ever claim to be on a similar level to Pep Guardiola and Cheeky Perigiston. But that's what that's what Manchester City did. Once once they got the manager, they they they, they built the team around him with with quite a lot of people who'd already worked with him and supported him before and knew how this guy ticked, and they felt knew how to get the best out of each other. And that's what Paul and Stanley. It's not just what Paul and Stanley's there for, but that's clearly part of the reason why Paul and Stanley's. There. And I think it's partly been missed that there's this link between Graham and Paul and Stanley, which would make it very surprising if it was cut short very, very quickly. Yeah, because again, you know, want to make it the, the long operating thing. Uh, I don't know. It's it's obviously a tough time. There's no doubt about it, right? New ownerships, they're learning a lot as well. I think that their learning curve is immense. But again, with them coming over for three matches, it seems like, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're firmly involved. And I think everyone should remember that this is not their only venture. They These are very busy people who have a million plates spinning uh, up in the air, yet they're able to dedicate a lot of time and attention. You know, it's a 10-year deal. Like even if, you know, if Chelsea, I've seen Bully out, which give me a break. He just splashed 600 million. Like you're, you're, no one was complaining as all the players came in and Enzo Fernandez. So like that, I am kind of rubbishing a little bit, but they are here. They're involved. It's a 10-year deal. Like this isn't a vanity project for them. And I think that there is pain and friction and frustration as they learn. But to your point, it's with uh, they an idea. There's a purpose. There's a plan in place. Is it going perfectly right now? No. But, to, you know, you think about it. You get through this season. You have a summer. You have a reset. You clear out some squad. He gets a preseason it could be completely different. That's the gamble. And fans were fickle. It's hard to like see that long-term payout. It's also, I mean, look, it's, Graham will probably now not, there'll be a section of, of supporters, whether they're online or match going, it could be both. Um, there'll be a section of supporters where Graham might not ever win them fully over again. They might have just decided this guy's not for us. Fine. But I do think that 
the ups and downs with football supporters as such, if the next three results go well, the mood will completely change. The mood will completely change. And I do, I don't think people, I've, I've heard people say, oh, it's becoming a lost cause with him and the fans. I don't agree with that. It might be a lost cause with him and some fans, but the fans as a broad stroke, I've actually, in my time covering Chelsea, I've actually always found the Chelsea fans quite a patient bunch, to be fair. Um, certainly with players, you know, Fernando Torres, they were extremely patient with. Timo Werner most lately, very patient with. I actually think up until the Southampton game, they've been pretty patient with, with Potter. And I do think that a lot of the noise will quiet down an awful lot if he can have a good run of this three games. And I then think he can certainly get to the summer. And as you say, it's almost time for a reset button then. Um, so I don't think it's a lost cause, even though there'll always be certain people who, who, who don't think one way until the time ever comes or doesn't arrive, whereby he he stands up and puts a trophy on the table. Yeah. Um, hmm. Hopefully, hopefully. The Champions League is obviously uh, starting to to dwindle, even from the Why Not Us crew. But again, it's only one nothing. Away goals don't count, which is lucky for Liverpool. <laughs> I came on the show last week or the week before and said, look, it, it, I, I think they're in the conversation on the Champions League just because I think the Champions League is wide open. And I still think that. I don't think 1-0. That, that hasn't changed my opinion at all. I I really do fully expect them to go through, actually. I really do. I know that might sound absolutely mental after they've just lost at home to Southampton. Um, but I... I really confidently expect them to go through in the Champions League. Uh, thankfully, a lot of time between matches. So we'll get you a Why Not Us shirt uh, when we come over. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess anything else? I mean, Angola Conte returning, you know, positive talks yeah, in the contract. Yeah, massive news. I mean, yeah. if nothing else, there's there's a moral win for Chelsea fans. Uh, you know, I someone said like Ingolo Conte returning is like a big you know impact for Potter and the squad, and they're like that's bollocks. And I was like, in what world does Ingolo Conte returning to full fitness, like full full fitness, not boost the squad? If nothing else, the morale. No. Ingolo Conte is the nicest guy who invokes a smile out of the like, out of the most like curmudgeon of people. I mean, he's amazing. Listen. Listen to Thomas Tuchel at the end of last season. I'll always remember this press conference because it shocked me. And he said, he's our Neymar, he's our Mbappe, he's our Messi. He is that player for us. He changes everything for us. Tuchel was saying it in a rant about having to get him on the pitch more. Um, and it just struck a chord with everybody. Well, when the Champions League with him, he had man of the match performance match after match. You, you just cannot underestimate what a difference that man makes. I mean, he is superhuman. He's one of my favourite ever players in the Premier League. He is superhuman. Just because he's not a striker or a forward player who's going to score 30 goals, don't give me that. He changes everything. Absolutely everything. And I don't want to start overhyping it. I'm told he looks in great shape for where he is at the moment. There's a lot of excitement around the fitness he's going to come back with. I think they've taken it super slowly and super carefully this time. It, it would just be enormous. I mean, he, he warmed up the other day, so I still think it's going to be a few weeks. I don't I touch and go whether he could be in that Dortmund squad or not. I'm sure that's one he, he himself has maybe got his eye on. But it's massive. It's massive. I mean, God, I just think, as to put it in my own perspective as a Villa fan, if I had... 
Villa ever had a player like N'Golo Kante ready to come back. Oh, my God. It would be, you know, when Jack Grealish was injured, we were always in pieces. Jack's got to come back. Jack's going to come back. I mean, you know, with the greatest respect to Jack, N'Golo Kante's on several different levels. And to have this player back will, will change so much. I, I'm thrilled. Like, if we get to see a little NG action while we're over there, uh, that would warm my heart uh, without a doubt. You know, is it as simple as he just slots in next to Enzo? You know, it's him and Enzo kind of holding. I imagine so. Okay. It seems because it seems like back four almost by requirement based on who's available, but it kind of seems like that's that four, two, three, one is Potter's preferred formation, at least for the time being. Um, so I that's mean, what we've got to see. I, that's that's exactly what when you know we're talking about all these players back now. I, I want to start to see a settled formation. I mean, I would I would I would understand it and I would actually support it because I've just said it'd be the right thing to do if he matched up against Tottenham because I think that's a good way to to get at Tottenham in their formation. But otherwise, I, I want to see him find a formation and, and stick to it really when when the players are available. And and yeah, Kante and Fernandez just look like a really fantastic potential partnership there and yeah Kante look it's, it's easy as well to to sort of take the fact that Kante is going to sign this new contract with a bit of a pinch of salt because it's rumbled on for so long and and he's not and he's been injured while it's been rumbling on so it's not as though he's been putting in 10 out of 10 performances and everyone's been losing their shit over whether they might lose this player I think it's gone a little bit under the radar you know N'Golo Kante signing a new contract is massive you know Think back to Eden Hazard. If Eden Hazard had have signed a new contract and renewed rather than ended up going to Real Madrid, but everyone would have been dancing down the street celebrating. If if Kante signs a new contract and is committed to, to Chelsea for another two or two with an option three years or something, it's massive, massive news for Chelsea, even though I think everyone accepts that everyone got to be realistic about the amount of playing time with him. Yeah, well, for sure. Uh, I... It's big, obviously, especially with Champions League. I mean, you could literally just use him in that competition as long as we have it this season and kind of save him. Uh, Almost like Koulibaly will be used exclusively for that, you would would think. Um, Yeah, it's great to hear the extension update, obviously. Um, I don't know. You said something kind of triggered it, and now I've lost it again already. But uh, it's just the way it is. I think there's just so many things swirling in my head, you know, in preparation for Tottenham and and obviously N'Golo in, in and just reminding me of better days that we once had. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm I, I, I'm excited to see how they go. Uh, you know, we I think seeing Wesley Fofana back, uh, Chilwell playing almost the 90 minutes, um, there's a really big, I think, just – Probably, I'm sure inside Cobham, there's a lift. I feel like they probably are feeling much better. I was surprised to see West play 45, but he looked good. Yeah, there will be a lift. And did you see they put out the training pitches with with Kante doing the warm-up, mm-hmm. or bit of warm-up? I mean, I think I've read something from recently from Tony Rudiger who said when you just see, when you just look at Kante and you see him on the training pitch and he smiles, it it's like a thing. Everyone, it's like if someone yawns, it makes you yawn. If Angelo Kante smiles, the whole place smiles. I mean, Kante being back on the training pitch, honestly, will be a huge lift to everybody. It will lift that mood massively. Um, and and yeah, you're right. With with the amount of players now coming back, I think there will be a lift in mood. Albeit there'll be a few people thinking, how how often am I going to play now? But, but you know, that's the, that's the problem they've created for themselves. 
And with every squad that's picked, there's always going to be a story of who's left out, not just left out of the team, but left out of the squad. Because there just simply won't be enough places in the squad. And what they will have found out at Southampton, I think they'll have found out a little bit about, when we talk about player sales, they've probably found out a little bit about who's going to stick around and who's not going to stick around, I think, maybe. Because, you know, a few backups were were given an opportunity and and maybe didn't take it. and, And possibly underlined thoughts on on where their futures might be best so in the long term that might end up being useful a painful lesson shall we say yeah the manager has to find out if they can trust a player or not you know for sure it only took till end of february to get uh everyone healthy in this team which uh is crazy uh the the like last last thing just real quickly because uh, we haven't touched on it was uh Kukure had a home invasion he was burglarized earlier this yeah. season that's why he missed time was, that was the personal thing Potter was talking about yeah I mean it was a long time ago I mean it, it was something it was something um that that was hinted at for a while without any sort of details coming out um I've I kind of have been aware of this for a while um and only really recently sort of felt comfortable into the public domain having spoken to a few people but yeah at the time Sterling was burgled uh Cabrera was burgled so quite early on in his Chelsea career I think it's caused settling issues with him um I don't think he I, I, I think it's come out earlier if he was making the excuse of this then he or the club making looking to excuse form or excuse anything else by using this um, but it shows just stuff going on in the background, and I don't think anyone would try and, as I say, excuse his form. But maybe when he's getting permanently booed whenever he comes on or off the pitch, which I really don't like, um, maybe that that's when people could sort of have second thoughts over doing that because the guy's not had an easy time on the pitch or, as people now are aware, off the pitch. Um, and the booing on and off the pitch, I. I I really don't like to be honest with you. I would get it if he'd done something wrong, if he'd done something horrendous to the fans, if he'd given an interview like Lukaku gave, or if he'd have done some gesture to the fans or something like that, then I get it. But the guy's not really done any his biggest crime has been to not play very well and it would cost sixty million pounds, which I know that annoys people, but don't boo the guy on and off the pitch all the time. Come on. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll wrap there. Appreciate all the time as always. Um, like I said, this is really not to solve anything, but just to provide context and clarity. And again, Matt, you pumped out a bunch of articles since post Southampton. So again, everyone go check it out. The telegraph will put some links in the description per usual. Uh, we retweet them as always. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I appreciate it, Matt. We'll, we'll see you soon. Obviously big lead up. See you in London. I know this is kind of the, the Matt law telegraph Derby. I didn't know that uh, I didn't know that twenty four were coming. I thought it was just the three of you. Well, you three it. of you and your production stuff. I know that you travel everywhere with the production stuff. No, we've you got even 20, go on your personal holidays with the production stuff. Twenty one fans are coming with. So wow, yeah. Have you got a private jet? Nope, nope. We're all gonna meet up in uh, Kensington. Is where we're gonna stay. Kensington. Yeah. Wow. I need to talk to you about my fee if you can afford to stay in Kensington. Sounds good. We can explain. (laughs) (laughs) Group rate will start a a GoFundMe. So (laughs) good stuff. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Go follow Matt as always. Uh, We'll be back with more content of Famous CFC later this week and hopefully even sneaking in Tinkerman. So, anyways, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.